mindfulness mode. Be still, because when we resist, it persists. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, Mindful Tribe, this is a terrific day. This is a fantastic day because I am here with one of my soulmates, and she has the most beautiful smile. She's so vibrant and alive and real, and I just love Lisa Winston. She's here with me today. Lisa, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am so in mindfulness mode. I have missed you so much, and we are soulmates, kindred souls. We are, and thank you so much. I was so, I'm so excited to just reacquaint, you know, get reacquainted and, and find out what's going on with both of us. And, and you are just a gift to me. Thank you for having me. Well, I met you at the New Media Summit and it was so great meeting you there. And I, I still remember it like it was yesterday. And then I interviewed you and it was episode 304. And the title <laughs> of the episode was Learn to Ignite Your Fire Within. <laughs> and that's what you're good at. Uh, and uh, So I still remember it at the event, you went up on the stage and you ate fire, right, Lisa? Man, did I ever, I, that was a, that was a wild time, but I said yes, and I did it. And I proved a point that, you know, we can step in and do it. And if we don't, we can, you know, it was one of those prove it to myself moments. And, uh, but that was, a, like I said, that was a very, um, that was my tur a turning point for me. That whole summit was a turning point for me. So well, it seems like you've had so many successes. And Lisa, you have a television show. You co-host the Mindset Reset TV show with Robert Clancy. Tell, tell us about that. I do. That is so exciting. That was another one of those things that happened in 2018, kind of fell in my lap. You know, the I talk about the synchronicities and how the divine orchestrates things for us. And I had interviewed Robert on a summit uh, previously, and all of a sudden he just, he had this hit to... Uh, find me to do this show. And so it's been a real blessing because I love Robert. You know, Robert, he is. Yes, he's great. And the show, of course, is all about, you know, changing your perception. And we have uh, celebrities and, and all, spiritual teachers and all kinds of people. So it's really cool. Yeah, that must be so much fun. And you're doing even more with TV. Is that right? You're doing more with speaking. Tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, well, Joe and I have been, and we'll talk about that in a bit, uh, we were doing some international speaking and then when COVID hit, everything got canceled, but we have been doing a lot of virtual events, you know, uh, even worldwide. So it's kind of cool. We can sit behind the computer and do it and not have to travel. Yes. Um, on top of the speaking, I'm also doing, I'm getting more into television and media. I'm doing some classes and learning how to pitch myself to local stations, hoping to get to something like Good Morning America or the Ellen Show. And so that's something I've always wanted to do. Uh, but I'm learning to do it in a greater way. And again, it was one of those pieces where I was led to it and I'm starting to just jump right into it because it really elates me. It, it thrills me. It's so much fun. Well, it is fun. That's for sure. And, and your book was really, I was going to say it's fun to read and it is, but you really got vulnerable in that book. Tell us about the experience uh, of writing your book. I mean, it was just such a powerful book and uh, called Your Turning Point, of course. Tell us about the process of putting those words together for that book. Wow, I love that question. Uh, this was all part of my book. If, if you've read it, um, it, you know, I wanted to write a book for a lot of years. 
And when I lost my house to wildfire in 2007, all of my ideas, of course, and my computers went up in smoke. So mm -hmm. I had to start from scratch. And in reality, what happened, it's all about divine timing. Sometimes we push to do things that aren't ready to be done yet. And so it was really that way for me when um, I met Joe, my, my, the love of my life and my life partner, Dr. Joe Vitale, I, I had interviewed him in 2017 for a summit. And then about almost a year later, we met in person. But um, he and I sat down and I talked about a book idea. And so he helped me to really organize my thoughts. And it came clear to me that I had so many huge things happen in my life and small ones. That's why I decided to call it your turning point because those turning points are the things that really lead you to the next thing, you know, where you're supposed to go. And if you don't know how to navigate that, you miss the boat. And so the even more amazing thing is that I was called to be with my mother who I didn't know was dying. I just got an intuitive hit to pack up my stuff and leave San Diego and go live with her. And I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm gonna do it halfway across the country. My sister called me and said, mom has been diagnosed with stage four breast cancer and she's dying. And wow. so I spent, you know, six, seven months living with my mother, caring for her until she passed. And I got up every morning. You can probably hear the thunder. It's right here. Yeah. <laughs> every morning um, I got up and I wrote. And a lot of that book was channeled. It just came through effortlessly because it was time. All the pieces were in place. So it was, it was a really amazing uh, experience. And I'm really grateful that I did it. Wow. Well, it, it was a wonderful book to read. And I just love, love how much you, you shared with readers so that you just felt like, wow, if Lisa can do this, I can do this. If Lisa can do it, I can do that. Was that your goal? Yeah, I really wanted to connect. And I also, my, you know, as from, from when we had our conversation before, which was several years ago, it's really about authenticity. It's about transparency. It's about making the people reading it understand that I'm just like, they are. They, I know they've been through stuff. I've been through stuff. And I think that's the connection. You know, we're all human. We all have human experiences. And so I always try to approach it from that perspective. I'm not better. I'm not higher. I'm going through just what you're going through. It's just that I've learned some tools to get through it. So yeah, that was my, I think that was my goal. One of your challenges was that you got Lyme disease. Was that something that went on and on and on before it was finally diagnosed? Or did you know right away that's what it was? Tell us about your journey with this disease. Oh, man, Bruce. Well, Joe and I had been traveling internationally. We went to Thailand and then we went to Italy. We had a speaking events and we were there for about a month. Well, we stayed in a house in Lake Como for a month, almost a month. And I realized, you know, I wasn't feeling well in the house. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And so came home and in the middle, you know, Joe's dad passed away when we were in Milan, the last night in Milan. So we had a lot of emotional stuff happening anyway at that time. And Joe was going through a divorce at that time as well, which was very difficult. And that went on forever. But I came home from the trip to Italy. Joe got on a plane to go uh, take care of the services for his father's uh, death. And that night I ended up in the ER. My heart rate was like 180. They, they thought I had had a heart attack. Wow. And so initially for about, I don't know, three months, maybe I, nobody knew what it was. They thought I had adrenal fatigue they, because I had so many symptoms. I was so ill. And again, in following those intuitive hits, those steps that came to me, even when they made no sense, I went to a couple of people and eventually I landed with a functional doctor in San Antonio. 
And as you know, as you spoke, most people go on and on with this. They think they have fibromyalgia. They have, you know, they have a million different things, but Lyme really encompasses all those things. It mimics all those things. In my case, I had neuro Lyme disease. I still have it. And I didn't know that I had it in my body, probably from the time I was about five years old. So I'm now starting to do some podcasts about that because people need to understand that a lot of these things, they're living with these symptoms they have. People called me a hypochondriac. They had no idea what I was living with. Blurred vision, erasing heart, all kinds of bizarre things. And so for about five or six months, I couldn't even drive. My depth perception, my visual, I couldn't see. I was I was so panicked. It was like I was crazy. They should have institutionalized me. And then I had, you know, 48 other symptoms plus 12 co-infections. So the journey was long. It, I thought I almost died and I, there were days I wanted to die, but I got my fire back and Joe and I are actually working on a course called the healing course with what I learned during that period of time. So it was another turning point, <laughs> my biggest one yet. And I am still dealing with some of the symptoms, but I am much better now than I was before. Wow. Uh, Tell me what you've learned from Joe that is profound. I'm sure there are many, many things, but can you share? Yeah, I can. I think one of the biggest things besides generosity that I've learned from Joe um, is that I saw him go through a two and a half year divorce that was abusive. And he, all he ever did was say, whatever you want. Yes. He never fought back. He was never mean in any way. The other side was angry and they tried to take everything from him. Literally his business, everything went through all kinds of money. Um, and of course, when it came to time to get, to go to trial, the, the judge said, sorry, you don't have a case. Mm-hmm. So it all, it all worked out, but the emotional wear and tear when you go through something like that, where somebody accuses you of, you know, uh, fraud or whatever it is. And people keep coming to your door with uh, subpoenas and all kinds of things from court and they're unexpected. It's this emotional abuse that happens. As for me, I saw a lot of grief because he cared about his his wife. He just, (laughs) there was no marriage anymore and he wanted Mm -hmm. to leave. But um, I tend to get very angry with people like that, very impatient And Joe, I swear to God, is a saint. I have never seen anything like it. The whole time he was being abused, he never once talked badly about his ex-wife. He talked about his experiences that were painful, but he never, even behind closed doors, called her name, said anything bad, you know, whereas I was was way less conscious than that. So very loving, kind, generous man who actually lives what he teaches and at a level that I've never seen. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. And you've seen a lot because in your book, you know, I just my eyes were like circles. I was like, oh, my gosh, Lisa went through this. Oh, and then she went through that. And then she had this this terrible, debilitating belief that she was not enough and that all men were horrible. And and you had all kinds of beliefs that you were trying to you were just trying to tread water, weren't you in life? That was pretty much my whole life theme. Yeah. And yeah. I'm breaking through because I think we all have continued layers of things that need to come off, but I'm much better than I was. I was so unconscious for so many years and I lived in fear for so many years. And so, um, yeah, the mindfulness piece is, is so important because if we can't get to that and we really have trouble overcoming 
all of this stuff or not even overcoming, just navigating it. Cause a lot of times we don't overcome. We just manage and we move forward. Well, music fed you didn't, didn't oh. it for many years. And tell us about the mindfulness of music in your life. I didn't. I mean, I always knew when I went on stage with my guys, cause we had incredible vocals and the music, it was just like heaven being on stage for me, but I really didn't appreciate it until it was gone. <laughs> And I realized how much as if, if we're creatives, which a lot of your audience, they are, because mm -hmm. I'm also an artist. If we are creatives and we're not doing something to feed our creativity, which is what comes from our soul, then we are hurting ourselves. We are killing ourselves. So I realized that when I gave up my music, I really gave up a large piece of who I was. And so the cool thing is I'm getting back to that. Joe and I are writing some songs together. We hope to do some things in the studio. I'm getting back to painting again, which is very cathartic. You know, I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. Everything has to be just right. So now I'm just like throwing paint on the page and your colors yeah. and just trying to let it flow because it wants to come through me. It wants to come through all of us. Well, you have a beautiful backdrop behind you. Is there a story to that? No, this is actually my original one. Robert and I started our show and I actually have banners that go over this that are different too, that have Buddhas and stuff, but I just, I loved it. I love the look. I love it, Japanese. Yeah, it is cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very cool. It's very cool. And you've done albums for children. Tell us about the work you've done for children with music. I, I haven't done enough. I went to school to be an elementary teacher. Of course, then I had told you last time we talked that I went on the road with the Spire Staircase and that was the beginning of my 40 year music career. But I did do several children's CDs way back when. And I think I have the cassettes laying around somewhere. I can't even remember what they are anymore, but it was so much fun. It was positive messages for kids. And you and I had talked about kids and bullying as well and how yeah. You know, it's really funny, the older I get, I'm 62 now, and it's kind of like the older I get, I realize we, we leave our children and we leave the elderly behind. It's kind of like, and they're, we've got these kids that are brilliant, that can do anything, and they're like little sponges. And then the elderly, I was watching, um, oh, I was watching a, a show about Frank Sinatra the other day. And it was interesting because you get to, they get to older age, right? And all of a sudden people look at them as weak, but they're this vessel that has all this incredible wisdom and knowledge and experience. And it's just this amazing thing. So um, I'd like to do more with children. And I believe that we all should invest even just a little bit of time. I'd like to write another children's book. I started it. I illustrated one. Um, but again, just the positivity or the the self-worth issues, knowing that you're special, you're unique, you're good enough. Because that's what kids need to know. Yeah, they really do. And speaking of children, you have a beautiful child. She's no longer a child, but Sarah, you know, I know that she just meant the world to you. Tell us about the mindfulness you experienced through Sarah. Oh, God, you ask such great questions. I adore your questions. Um, I was very unconscious when I was living with Sarah's father. He was a narcissist sociopath. I was very abused. And so in growing up, she suffered a lot. And mm. because of that, at the age of almost 27, she still does have a lot of things to work through because emotional abuse is so insidious. It's so, it's so much worse actually than getting hit, truly. So I had to really work through with her this feeling that I have had my whole life that I'm responsible for her, her unhappiness. It, everything is my fault. And it's really been interesting because she and I both did leadership work together. 
And so we went through some training and we've really worked through our differences. And she happens to be very wise. She's much more wise at her age than I, than I was at my age, but she's very loving and open and we are working through our relationship. And so I've become more mindful because as a parent, when our children call us, we want them to call us, but then when they call us, we want to tell them what to do. And I was uh, good at that too. And so I'm really learning to be a better listener, um, a better supporter, and just letting her know that I love her so much. And that is a mindfulness practice in and of itself, because, you know, we want to talk all the time, but just being in silence, being, hold, you know, holding space for our kids, seeing them being okay, as opposed to worrying about them. There's this whole practice that really does bring you to a very mindful space if you do it, if you choose to do it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Speaking of being okay, you lost your home to wildfire in California in 2000, I think it was 2007. And yeah, and, and then it was only what, two or three months later, bam, you were slapped with this diagnosis of cancer. And, and yet in your book, you tell about it and you're like, well, I just went ahead and I just like, tell us what that was like trying to maneuver all of this. Oh my goodness. Going back. Well, you and I had had the conversation that I was becoming more mindful, more spiritually aware. I was reading the power of now and a lot of other things. Um, uh, Link Rabhorn, do you remember that book? Yes. Uh, your life is waiting for you. That was a big one for me in the beginning too. And I was burnt out. I kept saying, I'm so burnt out on my business. I was in a toxic 15 year relationship. I was burnt out on that. Of course, then the fire came. <laughs> and so the interesting thing is, is that when I got hit with the cancer two months later, I had the most weird experience. Like the newscasters came and they followed our story from the beginning through the cancer and everything else, which was kind of fun in the midst of chaos, right? But I, Instead of, I mean, I was afraid when I went through cancer surgery and I was afraid they were going to find it all over my body. And I was afraid of dying. That's just a normal human experience. However, when I, after I had my surgery and radiation and all that, and started to rebuild my home, I had to stay in present moment awareness. When you lose everything, you walk out with your dogs and a toothbrush and your kid and that's it. Yeah. You, you have to focus on where you are right now and what you have to do today to make tomorrow happen, to get your house built, to get your health back. And so it really was as crazy as it sounds. It was one of the most incredible years that I've ever spent in this present moment awareness. And when I got back into the house after it was built, then I went back into my human craziness because it was like, this isn't my house. This doesn't feel right. So I would say that whole year of fire rebuilding cancer, everything was this beautiful gift of living to learn in the present moment, which it is so hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and learning to let go and you were forced to let go of everything. And then you talked in your book about how there were certain things you tried to, to replace them, you know, antiques and different things and you did replace them, but it just didn't mean the same thing at all. Right. Yeah, weird. It's funny you brought that up because I thought that was such a strange thing, you know, I, I replaced my daughters, some of her dolls and, you know, so, and when you get them, like my Mary Poppins doll I had from the time I was a child, it was this, you know, doll that was worth everything. I got one on, I don't know, eBay or something. And when I got it, I looked at it and I went, it's not my doll. Like, I know that's not my doll. It doesn't look the same. It doesn't feel the same. And I thought, isn't it weird, you know, how we have these attachments to things. Yeah. And once yeah. they go away, it's, it's just some weird attachment. It's, yeah. it, you know, it has nothing to do about the stuff. 
Yeah. So that, exactly. that's interesting you brought that up. I love that. That was such an amazing, a profound insight that I had, uh, which changed a lot of things for me too. We don't, we don't need to have so much stuff. Yeah, totally. And uh, that's sometimes easier said than done, but yes, you're absolutely right. I know that I'm, I'm in that position. Tell us about your new book. You're writing another book now. I'd love to have a little bit of a sneak inside peek to what you're writing about. Well, oh, can I share also that my, my Your Turning Point book just went, uh, it was published in Italian in Italy uh, in April. Oh, that's amazing. But that's kind of cool. So I'm grateful because I'm able to get my message out to more people, which is the whole point. Um, I am really writing a book about being brave enough, about being courageous. I'm, I'm playing with two books. One book is about the Lyme journey. And that's why I'm getting on more podcasts for that, because it's like people need to understand that they may have chronic Lyme in their body. And it's still not widely recognized by Western medicine. It is actually an epidemic worldwide. It is, it's getting, it's, it's crazy how many people are diagnosed, are diagnosed with it. But um, uh, anyway, so I'm playing with the, the Lyme book, but I'm also playing with another book that talks about uh, turning points in a different way. Um, I've already been through my, my turning points, but it's kind of like, where have I landed from this point on? I'm kind of done with, we all have turning points, but I'm kind of done with the two by four, the universal two by fours, right? Like we don't have to keep having that experience. And so where am I now? I've landed in a much more secure place than I've ever been before with somebody who loves me. I'm very settled. I'm now getting back into my, my job and, and what I love to do and all that kind of stuff. So um, one definitely will be about Lyme and courage. And one will be about where I've landed now and how to navigate life. I'm still going to stay with my theme of mindset resiliency, which I told you about, because we need to learn to be resilient. I have a logo somebody's making and it's a tree that's bending in the wind. Resiliency is bending and flexing. So, um, so I'm, I'm playing with a lot of different ideas. And you had some new, new headshots done. Is that signifying another turning point? The fact that you had these new, new headshots done? Yeah. That's why I said to you, let me send you a new one. I like yeah. the old one, but that's a couple of years old. This is the new me. This is me now. And you look younger, like you, you look more like, and you honestly, you look relaxed, you look vibrant, you seem that way. Do you, do you truly feel that way too, as though you're more vibrant and alive and, and happier than ever? Yes. In, in certain respects, I do. I feel more mature my whole life. Um, even when I, I think we had discussed about a coaching program and coaching abuse and this, this, even like I'm, I'm 62 and I started that journey at what, 53, 54. And it was interesting because I found myself even at 56, 57, I felt very uncomfortable with who I was. I felt immature, naive. I felt, I didn't feel like I was all there, you know, it was, it was on the journey of growing. And so now I feel so much more grounded and centered. I feel more comfortable in my own skin, which I talked about with authenticity. I mm -hmm. feel more like I've come into my own. This is who I am. Yeah. I mean, I told you the last two years kicked my butt and I have a lot more wrinkles. And so, yes, we use lights and we, we touch things up a little bit, but I'm more um, firm, more sure of my message and my reason for being here. So it took a lot to get here, but um, I think I've arrived for now, because I don't know, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going from this point on. We never really stay where we arrive for very long, do we? No, we really don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, your website is lisaawinston.com. So Mindful Tribe, check it out, lisaawinston.com. The book is Your Turning Point, and it's 
well worth the read. I can't even emphasize that enough. It's a beautifully written book and such, I could just tugged at my heartstrings as I read it because I did not have any idea that you had been through some of the things you described in such depth in that book. And it was really moving because it's it just the way you you wrote it made me feel like it just made me feel empowered as a person and with my my coaching clients. And as soon as I, re- I was starting to read, I was like, oh, I need to send this to my my coaching, some of my coaching clients right now that I'm working with. I thought that would be really good. Tell us about the, the coaching clients you've worked with. Do you have a story that you can share with us? How do you feel empowered as a coach? Oh, man. I think the biggest thing is I, I told you a story before about how people made huge shifts when I was coaching. And I really only coached a few people this past year because of Lyme. I was just starting to be able to come up and do more things. But I feel so empowered because I work with a lot of women that are powerful. They're out either doing jobs in the workplace. Uh, I worked with a woman who's a big pharmaceutical representative. She makes a lot of money. She's very sure of herself. I've worked with people to build their businesses. I do a lot of different things because I've come more into my own. It's, you know, we really affect change in other people when we change ourselves because it's that connection that we have with people. And so in the last year, I've just really gotten more into, again, working with mindset, mindfulness, Uh, navigating life, resiliency, giving people tools. And so my clients have been amazing, very powerful uh, women over 45 Mm -hmm. that a lot of, a lot of women I work with are in transition. They've gone through a divorce. They've lost a husband. They, their kids are out of the, the nest or whatever. And so again, I think I've, because I've aligned more with who I am. That's why, again, I tracked who I do we have the results that we do. And I continue to grow when I work with people. I get so many insights from our coaching sessions. It's amazing. So it's this, be- this beautiful you know, cycle of giving back. I love yeah. it. How, how long do you usually coach someone for? Is it something like six weeks, six months? I usually, I used to do a year and I didn't like that. So I changed it to three months. Now people can work with me on a you know hourly basis, which is great if they want an insight. Three months is, I feel, a really great time because if somebody wants to go further than that, they can. But a three-month commitment, I feel, is really necessary to actually make really good headway, develop a relationship, and uh, it seems to it seems to work really well. You've always been an intuitive. How old were you as a child when you first knew that? Oh, I can feel all these things. Do you remember what what age you were? You know what keeps coming to mind, Bruce, is around the age of five. I also had a lot of wounds and I was very um, fearful, needy, anxious. People told me I was too much, but I think I, at a very young age, I always knew this sounds kind of funny, but I really always knew that I was connected to spirit somehow. I didn't know what that meant. I, I felt special. And so of course I went on my journey, but I think that our gifts, I mean, especially they just, we're all intuitive. I mean, I say that we all have those gifts, but some of us just, have them a little more, <laughs> you know, yeah. they come forward faster. Like my daughter was seeing spirits when she was a child, she's a medium. And um, so very early on, and I think that was part of my problem because I didn't feel seen, heard, accepted, embraced. My parents didn't know anything about that stuff. So what's your biggest unfulfilled goal? Making uh, a bigger impact and having a bigger and even bigger reach, which I feel like I'm moving toward. Um, I just feel like this mindfulness piece is something that goes on and on and on mindset resiliency, because that really is at the core of everything. 
we can exercise and eat right. And, you know, we can do all kinds of things, even our spiritual practices, right? But if we don't learn to master our emotions and navigate life and life challenges when they come, because life challenges are not going to stop coming. <laughs> it's part of who we are. Then we miss the boat and we end up having a miserable life. And I love the saying, you know, one life, no regrets. So I think that's one of the biggest pieces of all. How many people do you want to impact in this world? Probably millions. And I think our show has a reach of 164 countries. And um, we've had a little hiatus due to COVID, but we're going to be getting back to it. Plus, if I'm able to get on more TV shows like I, my, I plan on, then I can really start. Oh, gosh, there's so many people that need support. So many people that have had experiences like me. And I want to be there to, to, to be a model, an example. You know, I understand them, but I can also help them move past that. So I would love to affect change across the globe, really. Well, and you definitely are doing that. And the, the website for the TV show, and of course, the show is The Mindset Reset Show. Such a clever name. And the, the website is MindsetResetTV.com. Yeah. So go over there and check. There's lots of episodes there to check out. Go there and and see the beautiful, brilliant, smiling, happy Lisa, who is not afraid to share who she truly is and to be vulnerable. And yeah, exactly. Just to, just to be real. That's the way Lisa is. And and I just appreciate that so much about you. And you seem to have been able to move through so much do you feel like it was these many many difficulties in life that has helped you to be so vulnerable today great question Bruce I love you you're the most amazing interviewer ever but I just love you as a person too yes 100% yes you know we as people we really want to have this we have this idea that life is perfect nothing's nothing should happen I should have happiness and money and good health and it is it is a, an illusion <laughs> because life refines you by allowing you to step into your courage. Step in. I mean, you, you can't learn who you are. You can't get stronger. If you have nothing happen in your life, I guarantee you, you will have very little growth, if not, you know, zero growth. And so we really, that's where we need to embrace um, what is happening. And, and my whole thing is not, life is not happening to us. It's happening for us. And I want to share something with you that I, I want your, your listeners to, to use, really. I do this thing, and it's called, um, oh, my gosh, an evidence journal. You can call it a proof journal. You can do whatever you want. But what you do is you, you sit down in your little mindful, mindfulness moments, right, and think back to what you've overcome, the, the challenges you've had, the things that you've done, the things that you've gotten through. And you start writing about those and reflecting on those and seeing that you truly are a badass, that you have you have overcome and risen above so many things. And, and you've overcome 100% of your challenges because you're still here today. <laughs> and so when you see how, you, even if you don't feel it, how you've grown through those challenges, we, we don't want hard challenges. And, and, you know, sometimes they're really hard. They really are. But I'm telling you, they really do grow us and refine us. And they give us compassion for others. They help us to teach other people whatever it is we're here to teach so we can support others. It's such a beautiful, um, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Life challenges are a gift. Yes, they are a gift. And for quite a long time, you gave a gift to your followers on Facebook. And that gift was that you posted 
a selfie of yourself every day. And it was like, wow, that takes, that's not easy. I know that is not an easy thing to do. What did you learn from that experience, Lisa? Oh my God, you are amazing. I, you, you bring up things that I don't even remember and I love that. Yeah, I, I had a whole journey in doing that because I, a lot of us have trouble with um, visibility, being seen. We really like to hide. We think we're not hiding, but we're hiding. And so I would post things like selfies with no makeup. Selfies yeah, with and sometimes where, where you had been crying, it was obvious that you had been crying, you know? Yeah, and it, it's, it's, you get various uh, reactions from people, right? Because some people think if you're posting, you're vain or whatever it is. But my whole point was to show people that we're all the same. We have the same challenges. We have the same emotions. And the thing I, and I still see so much inauthenticity on social media, the, you know, the pictures that are all completely fake and, you know, redone and all that. So I think that our society has a lot of work to do around authenticity and being transparent. And so I'm trying to do my little piece. And um, I think I told you one time that when I posted some things about, you know, post a picture of yourself with no makeup or with this mask on, and it was like crickets, nobody, because yeah. nobody wants to do it. No. So it's a big piece that's missing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy to do. That's for sure. I just want to have you leave us with this incredible wisdom that I know that you will have that will just release itself in a, in a second. And that is if, if someone is listening today and they're feeling some anxiety, they're feeling like they're drifting, they're not able to get focused and move forward in the direction they feel they need to, what would your wise words of advice be to that listener? Well, first of all, I would say just be still because when we resist, it persists. So just be still in the place you're at and remember that it may not be time for you to get clear. When we start tapping into our intuition and listening and looking for signs, people, books, things like that, little things that come into our experience and we start grabbing those and saying yes to those, those are the things that lead us forward. And then the other thing I want you to remember is this, you are the miracle. I learned this from Joe. This, this shifted my entire reality when I interviewed him three years ago or four years or however long it's been, was that we are we're looking for miracles. We're looking for all this help outside of ourselves, but we are a miracle. We are being breathed. We don't beat our heart. We don't breathe our lungs. We're being breathed. We're already the miracle. This already is the miracle every day, everything. You know, we're living on a, a ball in outer space that rotates. Get your mind around that. So start focusing on what's working in your life as opposed to what's not working in your life. Start being grateful for what you have in your life, not what you don't have. You have to start these little practices so that you can start moving yourself, to, you know, in these baby steps forward to move out of the funk you're in. You can do it. You can do it. Yes, you can do it, Lisa. You are so inspiring. Lisa A. Winston.com. Go there. Get the book, check out the Mindset Reset Show, and be fulfilled with the wisdom that Lisa shares. So thank you so much for being on the show again, Lisa. Bruce Langford, I love you. You are a beautiful soul, beautiful being, and thank you. It is always a joy to be with you. This is just wonderful. Thank you so much. My absolute pleasure. Bye now. 
Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening to the show today. Wasn't it great to hear today's chat with Lisa Winston? I really enjoyed our uh, conversation. I hope you did too. As I mentioned on the show, I think you would benefit from reading her book. It's excellent, called Your Turning Point. And also check out the Mindset Reset Show at MindsetResetTV.com. Lisa inspires millions of people, and you could be the next person that she inspires. On another note, I have a question for you. Is money flowing freely into your life? Do you sometimes feel like money is being blocked, and no matter how hard you try, that money valve is just barely open? If the answer is yes, I can relate. There have been times in my life when that money valve was just almost entirely closed. Well, recently I interviewed Nana Jakura and that episode was called Reboot Your Mind So Money Will Flow. Nana is just amazing and I I just think you would enjoy hearing that episode if you have not heard it already. I highly recommend it. You can get it by going to mindfulnessmode.com slash 699 or find it on your favorite podcast app. Just go to Mindfulness Mode and type in Nana, N-A-N-A, Nana Jokura, J-O-K-U-R-A. Some of the strategies she talks about on the show are almost exactly the same as how I help my coaching clients start to attract success and shed anxiety and get the flow of money moving into their lives. Now, I have to tell you, I do not have room for any more coaching clients right now. I'm so grateful to you. You know who you are. If you are one of my listeners who has jumped on to one of our free sessions and you've ended up being my coaching client. I'm so grateful and it's been wonderful having so many coaching clients from the show. But I do have a waiting list. So as a master hypnotist, I will tell you that I work with my clients using the power of hypnosis along with proven coaching techniques. And if you'd like to jump the queue and get on my waiting list and get right up to the top, send me an email at bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. Put waiting list in the subject line. And I always give priority to my listeners of the Mindfulness Mode podcast. So what's going to happen is you and I will meet on a Zoom call and I'll take you through a free coaching session, a one hour free coaching session to help you get refocused, to help you lose anxiety if that is one of your your issues. And I tell you, at this time through all of these months of COVID and the challenges that are happening in the world today, I've noticed more and more people are experiencing anxiety, experiencing blocks, and experiencing uh, the, the results of the inner bully that we talk about on the show so often. So send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com, to schedule your free session. In the meantime, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.